tax tax, which is always exciting. GST. That's a great idea. Have a more efficient tax. Due diligence now. Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Tax Wrap Episode Nine, uh, brought to you by the Taxpayers Australia Tax Specialists. My name is Nathan Hewitt. And today we're joined by Letty, Andy, and Bill. How are we doing, guys? Very good. Very good. You're well. Yeah, yeah I'm doing good. Too. It's, it's fantastic to be here. Episode nine, so episode two of 2015, and we're having a hard time sort of figuring out how to categorise the episodes. Whether we should do, you know, two in 2015 and have a 2015 series, <laughs> or just keep it going, because the question becomes when you get to episode 150. Then you have to go, okay, this is 150. How many years is that? How many, <laughs> how many weeks is that? Tax is complicated enough. No? Exactly. Yeah. We'll leave, exactly. We'll leave the maths. We don't need to make we'll it any mass. harder. <laughs> That's right. So it's just going to be a massive headache when the time comes to upload it onto SoundCloud. It's going to be 150 and yeah. 152. But we can't wait to hit episode 150. Big parties. We will get there. We, we will, will get, get there. there. Big party. Shout outs to episode 151. <laughs> okay, the first thing we're going to talk about this morning is single touch payroll, which is a relatively new... Uh, government initiative came out during the Christmas period. Um, it basically, a means uh, through which accounting software communicates with the ATO. Now, Letty, um, you're going to sort of lead us into this in more detail, please. Sure. Well, the government's tried to give us a bit of a um, late Christmas present. Uh, as a lot of you will know, the government has had a bit of an agenda in the past couple of years to alleviate red tape for businesses, and this is just another one of the initiatives. So basically they want to introduce a system which is called single touch payroll. Now no matter whether you're an employer, you're an employee, or you're the payroll accountant for an employer, everyone is affected by payroll reporting obligations in some way, shape or form, either as the recipient or as the person who has to do all the calculations and so forth. So what the government's idea with single touch payroll is, it's meant to simplify tax and super reporting obligations for employers. And under this idea, the employer's accounting software will automatically report payroll information to the ATO when the employees are paid. So mm. it will all happen electronically and automatically when, uh, when employee payment details are entered into the system. And what that would do is eliminate the need for employers to report pay-as-you-go withholding information in the usual activity statements and payment summaries that are issued to employees at year end. And as part of this initiative, the government also wants to introduce digital services to simplify TFN declarations and super choice forms. Oh. But the, the details are about that haven't come out. So right now the idea is that the single touch payroll will be available from July 2016. Okay. So, so you're essentially talking about automating all of that payroll back end process. Absolutely, because right now, paper. right right now, people not only have to um, deal with the the employers' payroll information when they actually pay their employees, but like every company start, has a payroll they, staff yeah, member. Yeah. Uh, but now, but right now, people also have to input their data into um, bases and into year end payment summaries. Yeah, and reconciliations. There's a lot of manual work to be done. Yeah, and definitely. under this system, in in the, the government's ideal world, the accounting software will do all that for Automatically. you. Populate everything for you and you don't have and to do And produce it the reconciliations and And, and, and all the other reporting obligations. Yeah. So that's meant to simplify the life of an employer. Okay. And, and, the, and, and the staff. As soon as you mentioned software, yes. I think to myself, is this is this Alarm at all <laughs> No, well is this at all related to the SBR Yes, it's sort of part and parcel of the entire broader initiative. Okay. Wait, sorry, what's SBR? Oh, 
Yes, we'll let Bill take that. Sorry, um, standard business reporting uh, is a whole of government next generation uh, system that the ATO is is sort of spearheading. Okay. uh, And that that we have talked about um, on on some previous podcasts, if anyone's interested. Sure, and we've got some articles on there as well. Yeah, exactly. Yep, that's right, Liddy. Um, I attended those meetings, and it's really exciting to see the tax office talking about next level technological change, yes. next generation yes. systems. To put it at, at its grassroots, what SBR is basically going to do is to automate a lot of manual reporting. Is that correct? So this is yes. kind of like the first... It's sort of part and parcel of the broader initiative. Okay, because I haven't actually seen anything announced no. like this. So this, the, this is the Yeah, this announcement that... came out, I think, 28th of December when most people would have been on holidays. <laughs> and so we thought it was a good idea to bring it up in this um, podcast in case people have missed... This exciting news, by the way, yes. the beach. <laughs> so, yeah. um, yes. Has the government lady uh, provided any specific details? Does no, it... just a government announcement right now. And what they say they're going to do is consult with business early oh, okay. in this year, in 2015. They're slating a t- July 2016 start date. Okay. Whether or not that happens, that will depend on a whole lot of things. Whether they get, you know, everything done in time. And don't forget, we've also need the accounting software providers. To, 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 to update the software in time as well. Well, see, that's the thing. In those meetings, um, in terms of preparation for for building these functionalities into their systems, yes. there there is doubts that are expressed. Absolutely. So, so you're as right. To robustness, as to timing. That's right. And cost as well, because every employer needs to do this. Um, they're going to have to do better cost. At some stage, yeah. We hope that the accounting software providers will not only ensure that the technology itself is robust and will work but also that it will be cost effective and cost efficient for the business consumers but uh, i suppose for you know employers and those who use this software it's all fr- uh, front event sort of stuff they will not know necessarily they'll punch in the information into their to, to some, system to some extent yeah, yeah to some well, but it will, andy, it will take out a lot of the manual well, work andy the, the, the thing from what Liddy was saying it seems like certain boxes on the bass itself might actually be redundant yeah. going forward. Yeah, so we don't know whether it means that it will just automatically populate or whether they'll change the best. I don't think those details have really been uh, decided yeah, yet. Yeah, okay. But the, the, but the writing any, is on the wall. Yeah, that's, the that's... end effect is that um, a lot of the manual work that happens now with payroll information reporting... Is going to go away. Will, ...will go away. So, yes, people still have to input the initial information, but the information will just simply be electronically fed through all the necessary channels. Well, I'm glad someone wasn't going on holidays. <laughs> Thanks very much for the update. It's and, good to hear. And, 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 Letty, in terms of, for example, state-based payroll taxes, for example, have, have the government uh, indicated uh, that? Or is this there a... media release doesn't mention that, but you would assume that in the consultation period they would very much be Touch talking with the yeah, state yeah, revenue yeah, sure. officers. So it's a, I guess it's a case of a matter of watching this space. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly. Let's talk about the, um, the the tax office sort of next generation. Let's audit that for a sec. Um, single touch payroll, to me as a, a layman, as an everyday taxpayer, single touch payroll seems like a very palatable name for something that the tax yes. office is involved in. Do we think that that's representative <laughs> or that represents, sorry, the, the new um, the new look ATO, their, their, their attempt to make things... Yeah, so single bit, touch, yeah. as it were. So th- mean, th- yeah, so it's not just the ATO. We we saw with um, the whole, new MyGov and so yeah. on and so forth. It's the government, government is trying. Yeah, is is a whole of government initiative to supposedly make life easier for businesses. Mm. So uh, it, it, it the idea is good. Um, I think we can all support sort of um, the idea of minimizing 
uh, minimizing comp yeah. compliance Def lift. Definitely. I guess the concern, definitely the concern for me is that we want to make sure not only that the software providers update the systems in a robust manner so that the system actually works, but also any transitional arrangements um, are also good for the yeah, business community because yeah. payroll affects key. everyone. Payroll affects whether you're micro business with two employees or, or, or BHP. You're, yeah, with yeah. a thousand, two thousand, three thousand employees. And uh, if something goes wrong, it will go wrong. Yeah, for, for the whole system. <laughs> for the whole system. Yeah. And it will affect employees' personal taxes as well as their employers' tax obligations. Yeah. So we want to make sure that transitional arrangements are put in place that will really work. And perhaps this might be a bit high in the sky, but maybe even to run parallel systems for 12 months. Well, to they, make sure they that may. Lady, look, now. that's the thing. They may actually have to. Yes. And I think just to make sure that there is a backup that you can still do your best if if the if your MyOps software doesn't work. Yeah, and I think I think at the software vendor end, um, that's what they're really considering. That's that those yes. practical issues. So that that's what they're grappling with. Um, in terms of, there's precious little communication to the taxpaying community and to tax um, and to tax agents themselves as to how they're going to do that, sure. um, which I guess is is probably reason for our concern but i mean look if anyone is in that industry and listening by all means give us a call absolutely let us know. Definitely. Yeah. yeah we'd definitely love to discuss it but you guys know me pretty well by now and you know that uh, one of my favorite things to do is go on youtube um, <laughs> i can't say enough about its uh, its entertainment value and also it's encyclopedic value sure. i mean it's a, it's a great educator for me um i've spent many a an office hour learning things about tax and super actually through YouTube channels, so it's always a good thing. Now, Andy, the the government's talking about, or the tax office is talking about, uh, income averaging and, and YouTube as something of an advent. It's something that's sort of um, come to light in the last couple of years, and now they're finally addressing it. So, what's this about? That's, yeah, that's right. I mean, I guess before I start, I'd like to ask Bill this question: Are you a good cook, Bill? Me? Um, survival Don't be shy, cooking. <laughs> that's, that's what I term it. Survival. Don't be shy, so, um, I, I, New I, age I, type. I, I won't necessarily starve. Um, yeah. I, I wouldn't say it's gourmet or that I invite all that many people to, to enjoy a meal. I don't know, Bill. We've, we've but, seen some of your leftovers for lunch. Yeah. They, they look pretty um, palatable. And there is always the cooking, you know, go back to mum's and get a meal. That's, 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 I'm an expert with that. But, that's um, true. Yeah, by all not, not not necessarily, Andy. The reason, the reason why I asked that question, Bill, is if you were an excellent cook... Um, you know, there are a lot of people out there now, you know, putting up uh, their vloggers or they're putting up videos up on YouTube that are, uh, you know, very, pardon the pun, very palatable in the sense that they might do a cooking video or they might do a okay, baking right. video. Yeah. Or, and uh, a lot of people actually tune in and, uh, you know, um, and uh, they can make quite a bit of money through the, the advertising by you simply okay, clicking, yeah. by you simply clicking on um that YouTube video and watching, you know, uh, for example, Martha Stewart cook or, or somebody, you know, celebrity um, YouTube uh, cook, uh, they can make quite a little bit of money. So, and funnily enough, you know, it's, we often think of the income averaging rules. Uh, for tax purposes, there are uh, income averaging rules for special professionals. And yep. uh, now special professionals, uh, there's, a, there's a list of uh, those that they uh, the law contemplates, but it's normally people like sports people, mm -hmm. for example. The most common example where these special income averaging rules apply would be, for example, a golfer. Mm. Okay, yeah. He or she might play in a particular tournament. There's no guarantee that they'll win a prize, and it may be one or two years, particularly when they're on the pro circuit, that they might start uh, deriving you know, uh, yeah. a decent income. Yeah, so, sure. so what these special income averaging rules do is if, 
it averages your professional uh, sports income, for example, uh, over a number of years. And if your income is above a particular average, they'll give you a concessional tax rate. So it's just to smooth out the income and to allow you to pay tax at a, a decent rate without okay. you know necessarily hamstringing you. Hamstringing yeah. you. So, so there's the special income rules uh, available. Um, um, in the tax law, they're somewhat complicated in terms of the calculation, so I won't necessarily go through that. But what I will go through is one of the conditions in order for you to be to access these income averaging rules is that uh, you you satisfy the definition of what they refer to as a a, a profession a special professional. Now, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, um, sports people are encompassed in that that uh, definition. You also get authors, you know. Um, okay. So it could be literary, literary, literally um, dramatic, musical, and also any other sorts of artistic works. You creative could be type. Creative people. types. You could be an inventor. You can be a performing artist. You know, okay. for example, yep. Nathan, if you've you know got a band or you've got a gig, yeah. you know, maybe you know, maybe feast or famine. You know, so yeah. it may take a little bit of time before you start deriving you know some decent royalty income or some some decent uh, concert income. So it also includes production associates. So. How does this all tie back to our, uh, our, our YouTube sensation? Uh, our YouTube sensation. <laughs> now, just prior to Christmas, the uh, the ATO released a um, an interpretive decision going through um, this sort of uh, this sort of issue, and in particular, whether a YouTube celebrity, uh, somebody who uh, is carrying on a business of uh, cooking and baking videos for uploading on YouTube, would uh, would be considered to be one of these uh, special professionals. Now. Um, in this particular case, the, the ATO has articulated that this particular person produces, designs, edits, scripts, voices over, films, and acts as the presenter of the video. So they essentially do everything. And then mm -hmm. basically once they upload that video onto YouTube, you know, Google, which is the, the owner of YouTube, then based on a share of the advertising, gives them a share of the advertising revenue based on the number of views that they've um, Mm -hmm. that people have a look at and I think you've indicated Nathan that um, you know what's 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 what sort of income can these people derive from it, it changes I can't speak for um, I, I guess what it is nowadays I, I, a friend of mine um, used to make videos he used to be a vlogger and he got to the stage of having about 80,000 to 100,000 subscribers before he ended up giving it up but um, basically, if you enter into a partnership with YouTube, they assess how many views that you're getting per video, and they sort of determine the feasibility of, um, you know, putting ads on your videos. So if a, if a channel is not partnered, its videos won't have ads placed on there, basically. Um, so they pay uh, per thousand views, as far as I know, or um, the last I know, they pay uh, per thousand views, and I think it, it's anywhere from two dollars to seven dollars, depending on the the nature of the video that you do. So a cooking video where the content is solely owned by you, so everything that you create belongs to you. You're not using anyone else's intellectual property. You're not borrowing or deriving or anything like that. That will entitle you to anywhere from five to seven dollars per thousand views. Again, these figures may not be exactly correct, but at last look, this is what they were. So basically, what we're seeing is that there's um, a decent portion of the advertising revenue per you know a, a per decent clicks. yeah per a, per a decent amount of, of views and uh, obviously we know if you're uploading 10 to 20 videos a, a week or you know even a day as is the case with the more prolific YouTubers mm. that's a decent slice of income that you're receiving and quite frequently as well so Andy does that change things um it, it can it cannot because i guess it's based on the number of clicks or number of people viewing the video so you're 
your your income, I guess, over the course of the year might fluctuate, or over the course of a number of years. Particularly when you're starting out, you're trying to, you know, get your get your name out there. So you might have a few dry years, and then yeah. all of a sudden, you know, uh, you get tweeted or you get uh, Facebooked, mm. and all of a sudden it starts to explode, and that yeah. income starts to grow exponentially. So, so I think that's that's where um, we've got to consider it in that context, and so. And then what the ATO has concluded in this interpretive decision is that somebody like this, uh, this Martha Stewart, who might be putting up these uh, baking videos, uh, does get considered to be a special professional okay. under, under the definition mm. uh, in the tax law, and therefore they're entitled to, to access these uh, special income averaging rules, which uh, comes back to you if you do uh, exceed that uh, average amount as a, uh, as a uh, non-refundable tax offset. Yeah, so. Yeah. But how the ATO concludes that is that one of the one of the definitions in, in the law is that you need to be uh, what they refer to as somebody who provides artistic support, or you right. need, mm. and that artistic support includes providing services as the director, film editor, production designer, or or producer. And in, in this particular case, a person, a vlogger, or a person that puts up a you know a baking video who does all that work behind the scenes is deemed to be one of these uh, these uh, artistic support people and therefore it follows that they're eligible as a special professional and then provided you satisfy all the other conditions mm-hmm. uh, in the law you, you're entitled to use those income averaging rules so something a little bit different you don't necessarily mm, you know you don't necessarily you know think well, of it look, it, in might, that context. It, it might be a bit outside of the box but because they're earning royalty income in terms of alienation mm. there would be issues around that I would imagine like the, the, these guys could very well say, "Oh, look, it's not really my income being earned. It's it's per click. It's it's um, something separate entirely." So I mean, I know that this this um, ATI is probably not going to touch on on that sort of thing, but I guess people have to view that into context. Would you? What, what would you say, Andy? Yeah, I mean, y- yeah, it's something that you can't necessarily look in isolation. These, yeah. these rules. Um, I mean, as, as you sort of touched on, I mean, you can also have things, because they are conducting a business of, you know, making these videos, you could have non-commercial loss rules. You know, the first couple of years, you, yeah, might, there you, go. you might incur quite a few costs in terms of trying to set this thing up. So those losses, for example, might be quarantined. Yeah, that's right. So there's that's there's right. quite a few things there that, you know, a, a, a stay-at-home vlogger or video producer yeah. who... Up, I mean, it sounds fantastic when you think about it, mm. you know, sitting home and making money from yeah. just preparing videos. But... But similarly, at the same time, you know, you do. There are a lot, a few tax considerations, and I mean, this one sort of for me came out a little bit out of the blue. It's not something that you, you know, necessarily, necessarily comes yeah. to, springs to mind when you, when you have these sorts of issues. But uh, nonetheless, a very, very interesting issue there, Nathan. Yeah, and it'll become more so as vloggers sort of enter the the majority. I mean. In the next couple of years, sure. I guess more of your helpline calls will be from vloggers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, from Nathan. From Nathan. Yeah. Great, great. And intellectual property issues. Sure. Fantastic. And as the next season of MasterChef starts, and my kitchen will starts up, we might see a few more of the cooking yeah, shows on pop out of YouTube the as well. I'm Definitely. making notes about ideas for blogs <laughs> as, as we go. Goes as on. we go. Now, Bill, Div 7A, Section 109R, Commissioner's okay. discretion to disallow payment from reducing a Div 7 liability. Yep. That's the most intellectual thing I think I've said okay. <laughs> since I've walked in these doors. It isn't. It Explain, isn't as scary. Please. Look, it isn't as scary as, as, as all that. I'm glad um, to hear it. As, as, as vlogging about um, <laughs> baking. Um, I guess for, for people with out of background in tax, Division 7A is basically um, the imposition of taxation on loans um, from a private company to an individual. Um, basically, uh, if you put that loan on a Section 109 
N footing, which means uh, you undertake to make minimum repayments and pay interest on that loan um, to, to the private company, you can avoid uh, the company deeming a dividend, uh, a taxable dividend being paid to you. 109R is, is, is almost like an anti-avoidance provision or, or, or an um, uh, integrity provision that, that basically says where you uh, make a payment to that private company and, and lend it back almost immediately, that would not count as a payment towards that liability as, as part of that minimum repayment. Um, so look, it is an interesting area and there is a lot of judgment as to what is um, what would reasonably be considered a payment that would be disallowed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there is judgment call in terms of yeah. the commissioner's discretion to to allow payment or not allow payment. So, Bill, what's an example of when he would or wouldn't? Okay, like for, for example, let, let's say that um, the the shareholder of, of the particular company that uh, is making payments, um, you, you know, um, make, makes makes the payment to to the company, and and that payment is made, let's say, on the thirtieth of June, mm-hmm. and then on one July. Those same funds are paid back, back. out to that yeah. to that individual. That would be a circumstance in which the commissioner would would probably say, "Look, that's it's reasonable to disallow that payment. Mm. It's clear that what the person is doing is just trying to push down the old liability mm. yeah. and create a new liability in a yeah. new year." Yeah. So with, with no with no genuine with no genuine purpose for for, yeah, for making for that, that transaction. Sure. Um, so say it's in, in in that regard, it's very like that example that you're giving. It's very blatant. Yeah, that's black and white. Yeah. So I guess the thing is, let's say you know how long is a piece of string. Let's say you were to do that three months before the end of the year, and then and then return the payment at the at the in a new financial year. Would that be considered a reasonable um, disallowance um, in respect of you know that commissioner's discretion? So look, I think. Um, it is a bit of a common sense rule. People have to sort of um, look at the whole set of facts and circumstances around the private company and the shareholder um, before they come to a conclusion. And by all means, um, you know, confidentially pick up the phone, give us a call at Taxpayers yes. Australia mm. by you know our helpline. This is mm. this this issue actually arose as part of a helpline call. Sure. Um, so you know, by all means, give us a call. Um, speak to us. Uh, we, we deal with these issues day to day and we are yeah we and, are the experts in that area and I guess Bill Division 7A has always been a bugbear um, and I, I know that the Board of Taxation's done <laughs> essentially two reviews on yes on you know the post mm-hmm. post implementation of Division 7A so so it seems to me that um, you know it probably needs more of a good old deep thorough <laughs> review and I then wholeheartedly s- agree yeah Andy, I think you're spot on. Um, and I think the thing is, I think because it is so complex, it does require quite an in-depth review. But at the same time, there needs to be traction in terms of simplifying those provisions Absolutely. as well. Um, because I think the the pool of people that can actually understand the provisions themselves is, is dwindling. Yes. No, yes. <laughs> and, and also to, I guess, you know, with 109R, to rely on the commissioner's discretion as well is, is, is very difficult on the taxpayer. That's They'd... right. That's right. Because you, you're effectively putting your hand up and saying, gee, I'm not sure if this yeah. is compliant. Um, yes. can, You'd yeah. rather know. I know, yeah. You'd rather know. So it's sort of changing that self-assessment. Yeah. <laughs> but mm. what, what is your take, Letty? What do you think around... I, I would... Personally, I would just like to see more certainty in this area. Yeah, okay. Just so that's that a people, reasonable position. Even 
even if uh, the answer is going to be no, it'll be great to have some guidance as to to know it well, up front. Why my transaction is not going to reduce my liability. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think that's the thing. Perhaps more prescriptive rules in that area. Yeah. Like perhaps that could look. You know, we're not trying to tell um, the, 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 the policy. You know, the board yeah, of tax what what, right. what their recommendations should be, but. Yeah, definitely look at 109R, guys. Yeah. Absolutely. And I can't stress enough, I'd like to remind um, all the listeners of the podcast and indeed our members of Taxpayers Australia that the, the helpline uh, calls that we offer are such a fantastic resource and you are speaking to the people that you hear on the podcast. So our tech, speci- our tech specialists that you hear offering this advice and insight on the podcast, these are the, exactly the same people that you get um, directly in touch with with your helpline calls and they're we have a wealth of knowledge from a wealth of disciplines and, and tax specialties. So, but, but the podcast is guidance only, guys, um, and it's 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 general. Uh, so, obviously, speak to your your tax professional before um, considering your facts and circumstances. That's Fantastic, the only thing I'd add. Yes. So, absolutely. Well, this has been Tax Wrap episode nine. Um, thanks again for listening. This uh, you've been listening to Letty, Andy, Bill, and myself, Nathan. Uh, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Cheers. See ya. Thanks. Bye. See ya.